Blog Talk Radio. today. Good love. Is your relationship everything you want it to be? Are you living a fulfilled, passionate life empowered with choices that ignite you to the next level? Good love makes your whole life better. So join America's good love doctor, Dr. Brenda Wade, on a journey to your healthiest life yet. A regular on Dr. Oz and Dr. Drew, she's appeared on Oprah, Good Morning America, and is featured in countless publications from USA Today to Essence Magazine. The creator of life-changing Get Unstuck Now, Love, Money, and Save a Seminars, she's counseled millions, but today she's here just for you with the hottest topics, guests, and trends. This is Good Love with Dr. Brenda Wade. Hi there, everyone. Always such a wonderful hour for us when we have our Good Love radio show. And this podcast tonight is dedicated to the memory of Robin Williams, who brought so much joy and love and laughter to all of us. It's one week today since he passed on. And many people have said he took his life, and I want to go on record in saying he did not take his life. The disease of depression took his life, and it's a disease we need to understand. It's one we need to look at from a very radical perspective. So stay tuned because in a couple of weeks we are going to do a whole show devoted to defeating depression because it can be done. It really can be done. There's no one little preview of coming attractions. There's no one treatment modality that has it all. And certainly, though medication can help, it is not the definitive answer because at the core, there is something that triggers the depression. It doesn't just appear from nowhere. So that's all I'll say right now. But stay tuned because we really need to face this and face it together and do everything we can to help those we love and help ourselves understand depression and work through it. All right, so here's the question for this evening's radio podcast. Are you ready for more closeness? Mm -hmm. Are you ready for more intimacy? Maybe you're ready for fewer headaches. You know what I'm talking about. Do you constantly find yourself in a fight with your spouse and wonder, now how did we get here again? My guest today says it's time to recognize that there is relationship technology and you can use it and it's guaranteed to magnetize your love life. We'll find out what that means shortly. Our guest name is Marcus Ambraster and I'm going to check whether that's right on the pronunciation when we join him in just a moment. And he's the author of a great book called Pillars of Awesome Relationships. And we all want awesome love, don't we? 
So as always, here on Good Love Radio, we're focused on why good love is essential to your greatness. How to identify the negative thought patterns that may be blocking you and negative love patterns that may be blocking you from good love. And, of course, how you can break those old chains of what happened back then so you're free to experience what is happening right now to be fully present in this moment. So take a breath. Let's come fully present. And before we meet tonight's guest, I want to remind you that we have a love mantra on this program. And that mantra is, I am worthy. Say that with me. I am worthy, and I am deserving. Yes, you are. I am deserving, and I love me unconditionally. Now, loving and accepting ourselves is the greatest challenge, and it's the cornerstone for good love if we can find ourselves worthy, deserving, and lovable. So keep that mantra going, everybody. I am worthy, and I am deserving, and I love me unconditionally. There you go. All right. So let me tell you about our guest. Our guest wrote his book, Pillars of Awesome Relationships, to make the world a better place for couples. And I'm going to quote him. He said, the deeper I searched into my own heart, the more I realized I needed to heal my own wounds and make my own life as awesome as I wanted it to be first. I said, first? Okay. This is all for Marcus Ambruster, who poured these lessons into a cohesive theory he calls relationship technology that works. His website, I'll give it to you right now, is PillarsOfAwesomeRelationships.com. PillarsOfAwesomeRelationships.com. So let's get right to it. Welcome. Marcus, how are you? I'm doing fantastic. Thank you so much. That was a great intro. Oh, well, easy to introduce you because I'm very interested in what those four pillars of awesome relationships are. Yeah, the I started off... Um, I want to out myself right away and say that I'm one of those people that is stuck in my head too much. And, you know, the more of this work we do, we realize we've got to get our awareness down into our hearts, down into our gut. And that was a challenge for me. And so when I get stuck in my head, I wanted to come up with a game plan for when I was in my head that would direct my awareness back into my feelings, back into the sensations in my body so I could be in touch with what's going on on an emotional level, you know, much, much deeper. And so the four pillars are kind of the mindset guidelines for how to see problems when they come up in a relationship so that we don't freak out when the problems come up. So you got stuck in your head... And that's what guided you to begin looking at this relationship technology. Now, tell us what got you to the point that you wanted to live in your head or felt like you were stuck in your head, because usually there's a little story there. There's, Yeah, we've all got our story. Yeah, and mine, it really goes back to early childhood attachment issues. I was adopted at birth, 
and just felt like I didn't belong. It felt like nobody was there for me. felt like the world would be a better place if I wasn't in it, that I was a burden, and just that, you know, I couldn't couldn't count on anybody to be there, and all those lessons, you know, kind of come out of that being, feeling abandoned at birth. And even though I had great adoptive parents, those lessons still got, you know, written into my heart at a very early age. And so yeah. it was it was a way of, uh, you know, like following this path has, has been a way of digging out of that. Yeah, and it's so important for people to understand that children do have what we call pre-conscious memory. Just because you don't remember it happening to you doesn't yeah. mean... There isn't a part of the brain that's recorded, and the brain starts recording about the fifth month in utero, everybody, in utero. So I understand what you're saying, Marcus, that that little baby with preconscious memory remembered being in one womb and then being with somebody new. Yeah. So it's very real in case anybody's wondering, gee, what's he talking about? Absolutely. And I even carried a small memory like that I didn't get in touch with until I was 40 years old that was like a piece of, of my conception. And it felt like a uh, like a, a psychic scar where I was the product of uh, when my birth mother and birth father had sex, it was sort of like a date rape situation and the you know and I carried a piece of that with me too so mm. if you buy into the spiritual and and psychic levels of who we are as humans like it can go back even before five months but as far as the the brain yeah. development absolutely at five months that's when we start taking notes yeah and we do all have you call it psychic. I don't call it psychic. I just say it's that other level of awareness. We all have yeah. it. Whether your channel is tuned very, very finely and you've got your fine-tuning working or whether you pick it up and don't know you're picking it up, we have all had that experience of knowing who's on the other end of the phone before we pick it up. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I used to have this thing going with my husband where, my first husband, everybody, where I would know what he was bringing home for dinner because he would say, okay, I'm, I got some takeout, I'm going to surprise you, and I would know exactly what he brought <laughs> before he walked in the door. And I'd say, okay, yep. don't open the bag. So we all have that, whether we recognize it or not. And to say that you have that memory makes complete sense to me. Now, how did you, how did you feel as a child having this kind of sense that I don't belong, something's wrong, I don't fit in, how did you feel once you started to have an awakening in the relationship arena? Well, the I was very hungry for love, and the, the way it came out is I was an affection junkie and just constantly searching, you know, where I felt, you know, uh, like heart hungry 
felt like there was a hole inside me that I was trying to fill with other people's affection. And any like any good junkie, you get a good rush, and then you feel empty, and you search for another, and you search for another. And finally, I was, you know, I wanted to, to end that cycle. I wanted to fill myself up for real so that I could come to a relationship whole. And the, um, you know, and in one way that's a lifelong process and in another way, like I got to a place where I felt really good. Yeah, it is a lifelong process. I hear you. So for you, you started going into relationships seeking to be filled up. I know there are some folks listening right now who can relate to coming to the relationship hoping somebody else will fill us up, somebody else will make us whole. And for you, when did you start to go, hey, wait a minute, something's not working. And as I said in that quote, and I love that quote I read from you at the top, Mm -hmm. I've got to work on myself before. So when did you realize that if your relationships weren't working, it might be you? It it was a really slow unfolding of awareness. And when... You know, my my first big relationship in high school, when that ended, when I was 16 years old, I was like a junkie looking for a, a new fix. And that, like, on one level, I was so hungry for it that I didn't want to look inside. And somewhere inside, I was like, oh, this is not right. I'm, I'm searching, I'm searching, I'm searching. And, you know, and so the... I had that inkling of awareness, but I didn't have the courage or the guidance and the support to, you know, to be able to say, hey, I've got a problem. And I didn't have anybody there to, you know, to coach me and guide me and say, hey, this is a problem and there's a solution to it, you know. So in one way, I felt all alone and, you know, feeling all alone fits with the attachment, you know, the abandonment feelings and feeling like nobody was there for me. Yeah, and that is so common, everybody, that most of us, now tell yourself the truth right here, most of us have got some kind of love pattern. You know, Marcus, I teach a class called Unchain Your Love, and I'm going to put Mm. a little plug in there right now, shamelessly, because we have a one-day intensive coming up the last uh, Saturday of the month, August 30th, and I want people to get it that there are love patterns. Some Mm -hmm. of us are constant love seekers, but then when you get the love when you're a love seeker, you become what I call a love destroyer. Does that resonate for you, Marcus? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And the way I think of that is if I'm coming into a relationship with a basic belief inside that either I'm not safe emotionally safe or I'm not emotionally secure or that I'm unworthy, then no matter what I'm doing on the surface, underneath it, I'm going to try and confirm that fundamental belief that I'm not good enough, you know, or that nobody can be there for me, you know, or that it's, I'm not, not emotionally safe in some way. So it's like those fundamental, those core beliefs are going to come out and that's actually the third pillar of awesome relationships is that whatever is going on 
it's going to come out eventually, and it'll keep coming out until we heal the hurt that's underneath. That's right. Until we deal. So let's go over the pillars. Pillar number okay. one. Let's let's name them. So everybody, get out your pen and paper. Get out your little mobile device and write this in your notes or record it. Pillar number one. What do we got? It's not about joy or pain. It's about intensity. The, we all want a maximum amount of joy in our lives, and we all want a minimal amount of pain, but that's not the choice we really get to make. The choice we get to make is about how intensely we feel our feelings. And so if we have old hurts that are stuffed down inside that, that we don't want to deal with, we wind up shutting down the intensity meter on our feelings to keep that intense pain from coming out. And that also subdues the amount of joy that we can feel in our lives. And it's wow. all about keeping those buried hurts buried because we don't feel like we can handle them. So the first pillar has to do with making the choice to deal with our feelings. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because there's going to be joy, there's going to be pain, that's life, we all know that. But what we really can work with is the intensity. How intensely will I allow myself to feel those feelings? And there's yes. that old saying, if I can't feel joy, then I can't feel pain. If I can't feel pain, I can't feel joy. Absolutely. Yeah, and you know, we look at athletes, know that you know, we've got the expression, no pain, no gain. The person who works the hardest and goes through the most physical pain in training is going to be, you know, one of the best athletes. They're going to have the biggest gains in their physical abilities, you know, on game day. And the same is true emotionally. The um, Just like every athlete needs a good coach, it's like, the same is true emotionally. We all need guides. None of us were taught growing up the emotional skills and the communication skills that we really need to be able to handle those tough emotions that are buried inside. And that's where, you know, people like you and your workshop coming up, I've got a six-week webinar starting September 4th. Doing work like this, we learn the emotional skills and the communication skills so that those problems that come up and the, and the hurts that are buried inside, they don't become roadblocks in our lives. We, can, we have the technology, we have the tools in our toolbox to be able to face problems, work through them, and get on with our lives and make our lives everything we want them to be. Oh, I love what you're saying, and it is so important to recognize there's no magic. You know, I've met one person in all of my years of teaching seminars and, and workshops and, and seeing private clients. I met one person who obviously had learned so much about communicating and about relationships. I stared at him because he had brought his fiance in and said, you know, we're going to be getting married and I really want us to be prepared for marriage. And as he was speaking, I said, where did you learn to communicate like that? Where did you learn it was necessary to work on a relationship? Because you're you're acting as if this is the most normal thing when most people come in when, you know, the you-know-what has hit the fan. Yeah. He said, oh, there was a program in Providence, Rhode Island, where he'd grown up, brown 
University ran a program in the schools, and he happened to be part of the pilot program teaching kids about relationships. Now, every school needs that program, but that's the only school I've ever known of to really do a good job teaching kids. And then he grew up to be this person who was so capable in the relationship area and even came in to get extra prepared for marriage. Mm, that's wonderful. Yeah, and I so don't know pillar number like one, that either. intensity, and we have to do the work, everybody, have to do the work because the work is education. It's love education. So what's pillar number two, Marcus? Pillar number two, yeah, this one, this one is uh, is really my favorite, and it's bright lights cast dark shadows, and since uh, love is the brightest light in the universe, and it will make any unhealed hurt inside show up as a very dark shadow, and so when you're attracted to somebody, you want to get closer to them. And you take a step closer, and it feels good, and you want to get even closer to them. And eventually, as you get closer emotionally, you know, once that glow period of the relationship is finished, our stuff is going to come up. Our emotional stuff is going to come up. The hurts that have been buried inside, all the unresolved things from past relationships are going to come up. And when they come up, like those dark shadows, you know, don't feel good. And they certainly don't feel like the wonderful love that's brought their darkness to light. And so when, like, one thing that I teach couples is that when those problems come up, it means because, one, you've got the kind of connection that everybody wants to have in your relationship. It doesn't mean that there's something wrong with you two being together. It means that you guys have opened your hearts to the point where this problem's you know, where you felt safe enough emotionally for this problem to actually come up. And so being aware that it's the closeness that brought out the problem can can ease the fear a good bit. That's powerful. That is powerful because most people don't say, wow, isn't this great? Our hurt is coming up. Our wounds are coming up so we can work on them and heal them. Most people say, what's wrong with you? You weren't yeah. this way when I met you. You changed. Yeah. What happened to the man that I fell in love with? What happened to the woman that I married? Yep. Absolutely. That's, yep. that's the way it comes and out. And this is true, everybody, whether you are black, white, Asian, native, uh, Hispanic, gay, straight, bi, trans, it doesn't matter. This is true for everyone. And there are more hurts if you are outside of what we think of as mainstream culture, there's more hurt because there's more trauma. So it takes extra healing and heavy lifting. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and so, you know, we start off with feeling of love and attraction to somebody and that leads to our hearts opening and that leads to the hurts coming up in which you know, and when the hurts come up, it's necessary that we let ourselves be vulnerable. And it's that vulnerability that allows the healing. And that's why it's important when your partner has stuff coming up that we all learn to be able to listen to our partner and understand and 
to develop the skill of putting our own stuff aside a little bit and to develop the skill of recognizing when we get triggered by our partner being triggered and you know, and having the communication skills to be able to navigate situations like that is once once that you know we get into that vulnerable space, then it's possible to heal, and then the magic happens where we get to be more of who we truly are with each other, and just feel blessed by the other's presence. Ooh, now if you're ready to feel a little bit vulnerable and get some healing and some work done, everybody join the conversation. You can call us and join the conversation live, old school, at 347-989-0776 or hit us back on Facebook, Dr. Brenda Wade, Twitter, Dr. Brenda Wade. And stay with us, by the way, on Facebook and Twitter. We always have love information going out for you. But join this conversation with our really very, very gifted and open and vulnerable and honest guest. Now, Marcus, tell me the correct pronunciation of your last name. Oh, it's everybody Everybody says it differently. I've gotten used to it. It's I say Ambrester. Okay, so we have Marcus Ambrester who wrote the book, The Four Pillars of Awesome. Excuse me, it's The Pillars of Awesome Relationships. So, Don't be shy, be vulnerable, because that's where the healing is. That's where the growth is. When we're vulnerable, we can learn. Okay, we're looking for your questions, your comments. That number again, 347-989-0776, or Facebook, Dr. Brenda Wade, Twitter, Dr. Brenda Wade. And Cliff, our producer, is standing by to take your questions. And Cliff, let me know as soon as you have questions or comments coming in. Thank you. So, Marcus, you started talking about the word trigger. Yes. Talk more about trigger because often I've discovered when people are very upset, they don't recognize something in them has been triggered. That's true. They only recognize the circumstances outside of themselves that brought that, that that triggered the emotional hurt that's inside. So the um, and the the way I like to think about this, I had a um, a splinter embedded in my middle finger, in the tip of my finger, and so I found ways of not using my middle finger. Like I thought I got the splinter out, but I didn't, and then it abscessed. And whenever I would hit my finger on something, at that point, I could either blame whatever I hit it on. Like if I, if I hit it on the steering wheel of my car, I could blame the steering wheel of my car, or I could take responsibility for the fact that I had a foreign object, you know, deep inside my finger and take responsibility for the fact that I needed to take care of myself and, you know, and remove this, essentially this wound and what most people do when they have an emotional hurt that's buried inside is blame the steering wheel. You know, when, uh, you know, if, um, you know, your partner doesn't, you know, really catch the fact that you're upset, you know, you can attack them and, 
you know, and blame them for not being there for you or, you know, say, hey, I'm really upset, you know, and it's like that attacking that happens in response to the wound that winds up creating more and more problems. That's how the arguments escalate. And it's a whole different thing when we can say, hey, I'm really upset right now and I need you to hear me. Yeah, and the added mojo that you're throwing in is, I'm upset right now, I need you to hear me, because part of my wound is I'm turning you into the father who never listened or the mother who never listened or the parents who weren't there. And so when I feel like I'm not being heard, I go into a rage because it reminds me of that. And that takes a high level of self-awareness and vulnerability. So it's kind of like going in, what I'm hearing you say, it's kind of like going in and, and mapping the terrain in your own heart, going in there and saying, I know where the landmines are buried. I know where, you know, if I step over here, this whole thing is going to blow up. And that means we have to spend time. So we have a question that just came in via Facebook. Uh, Marcus, let's take this question. All right. This is coming from, hold on, I have to read it. How do I trust my boyfriend when I suspect he's seeing someone else? I caught him texting with a woman coworker at inappropriate hours late at night. This is from John here in San Francisco. The the first thing is to accept the fact that we will all be attracted to other people our entire lives. And that scares, it scares people to death. And, and it, it pokes at a, at a core wound that most of us have. And the, um, and it's like 99.9% of the time, it's either a self-worth wound that gets triggered or the fear of abandonment. And, you know, where the way we're taught in our culture is that if you're attracted to somebody else, it means I'm not good enough. And so, you know, if, if that's how I feel and that's what I believe and that's how I'm going to respond, then I've got to keep you from, you know, being attracted to anybody. I've got to keep you from talking to people. And essentially that just is like stuffing you in a box where you don't get to be who you really are. And it's a whole different world when, you know, when I deal with my worthiness issues to where I know my true worth, where I know I'm good enough, and I know that I'm a blessing, you know, to my partner. Because if I know that I'm okay, then, you know, then my partner getting, you know, being attracted to somebody else or flirting with somebody else isn't going to strike that that deep nerve wound like it does if I'm scared of losing them or scared that I'm not good enough. That's the first big piece. And that covers, like I said, 99.9% of, of situations like this. Okay, but he's saying his boyfriend is up late at night texting with a woman coworker. 
what should he do? Because you're speaking to, hey, be confident that you're a blessing to your partner, but how do you deal with that within the context of the relationship? Yeah, the first thing is you talk about it. And you... uh, and the way that you talk about it is really, really important. The way that you talk about it is to offer acceptance and not judgment. And the way you talk about it is to own your own feelings and say, hey, I'm really scared. You know, and to be clear about what the fear is. To say, you know, I see you texting and, you know, I suspect that it's it's somebody from work. And... You know, what I notice is that I'm scared that, you know, I'm not cool enough or attractive enough or fun enough or that, you know, I'm scared I'm going to lose you. And I need to know that, you know, that we're okay. Communicating that lands so differently than what are you doing? What are you doing talking to that bee on the, you know, what are you doing talking to that, that no good nothing you know, and persecuting your partner, you know, and essentially pushing them away when you really want to be close. Wow. Well, that's not going to fly on that TV show, Cheaters. (laughs) It's all about the confrontation and all about what's wrong with you, and there's nobody there saying, hey, something's going on, and we need to talk about it, and let's make this better. That's right. That's right. I think that, you know, that shows all about the drama of not good enough and perpetuating the that emotional wound of betrayal that so many people carry, and it does absolutely no good for the people. Yeah, that's for sure. You know, it's it's something I make a point to watch some of those shows so I can see what's going on out there. Yeah. And you know, what's in everybody's psyche, and it's terrible. It's so painful, and it's hard to imagine that it's possible. And I know some of our listeners are thinking, well, how could you be so calm if you find out someone you love is in the midst of, even if it's an emotional affair? Yeah, and I guarantee you that... that up is not about what your partner's doing. It's a it's a deepest level. It's about not feeling good enough and or being afraid of losing your partner. And I like I'll put money on it. If we dig deep enough into it, that's what it is. And the and it's incredibly scary to look inside and look at that one of those places inside that's scared that I'm not good enough. You know, it's or like I don't even want to get loss. close to it. Yes, yeah. that's very tough because certainly loving someone and feeling, oh, my God, I'm going to lose my partner, my relationship, you know, if you've built a life together, all of that, that is a tough thing to deal with, and it's one of the hardest things for human beings to deal with. It really it is, is tough. Absolutely. And it is a an issue that comes straight out of the first stage of development, the first eighteen months of our lives. And because ultimately if our partner's gonna go away, we will feel the loss. But 
if that if our partner is going to go away, then there's something better in store for us, or our partner is going to be happier, or our partner's not going to be happier, and we're going to be better off without them. And so there is an emotional journey that needs to take place and will take place. But the what compounds the problem is that fear of abandonment, which is that that stage one, that first stage of development issue. Yeah, fear well, of abandonment, you know, and it's it rocks us to the core. It does, mm-hmm. it, you know, and it's not mm-hmm. comfortable at all. And it's not necessarily about what's going on with our partner. Well, we're on a roll here because our next question is also about cheating. This is from Sarah. Mm-hmm. In Los Angeles, Sarah says, I'm recently divorced. How do I trust again? My husband was cheating. So, Sarah, the first piece is if you in any way are blaming yourself, then let that go. Because you are good enough. You are absolutely are and your husband cheating was not your fault and I personally believe that blame has no place in a relationship and so assigning fault you know doesn't help us to be better people or love each other better so I'm not going to say it was his fault either but that's the first big piece that comes up is this was not your fault and be careful, Sarah, about blaming him, too, because if you're blaming him, then that puts you in that place of being the victim, of feeling powerless. And, you know, feeling powerless going into a new relationship is a recipe for disaster, you know, and where you will feel like you cannot trust yourself, you cannot trust your own judgment. So I would say feel the loss, don't blame yourself. And the, uh, yeah, that's it. I mean, you know, feel the loss, mourn the loss of the relationship, mourn the good parts of the relationship that have been lost, and know that you are good enough. And, and don't kick yourself. You know? And kicking him won't do you any good either. Right. There's something else you said a few minutes ago, Marcus, that I think may be helpful to you, Sarah, and I appreciate you hitting us up on Facebook. The thing that you said was, this is an opportunity to look at ourselves and do some unraveling. So I can tell you from my own experience, Sarah, I've been divorced twice. Very, very painful very tough experiences, and without a doubt, I can look back and say, I did a lot of work on me. Dig, 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 you name it, whether it was therapy, uh, going to the Hoffman process, doing another round of of, uh, every kind of spiritual growth there is to do. I had myself literally strapped in intensive body work, healing work, seven days a week. I had something for each day of the week. And what I learned was I didn't think I was worthy. I didn't believe I was lovable. 
I learned that I had actually picked a partner with the same wounds I had, and until I really got it, that I was lovable, I would run that pattern again. So I want to invite you, yes, you are lovable. You are more than good enough. It is not your fault. But also, as Marcus said at the very, very top of the program, look within and see what you can learn about yourself because we're here to grow. And relationship really is the best place you can grow. It is so good. It's the, what shall I say, it's like planting a garden where you need some um, my mentor, Dr. Virginia Satir, used to say it takes shit to grow roses. Well, love <laughs> is a rose, and there's plenty of you-know-what <laughs> to help us grow. So, Marcus, go ahead and tell us about another one of the pillars. We've gotten through pillars one and two and three. Do you want to throw one more at us? The Yeah, well, the, um, yeah, the, the name of... Pillar number three is hurt feelings are like rowdy teenagers. We're rowdy teenagers. You just want them to shut up and go away. And, you know, and that's the way our emotional, our hurts that are buried inside are. We just want them to go away. We just want to stuff them down and not be bothered with them. But rowdy teenagers don't actually need to go away. They need to mature. And hurt feelings are the same way. They need to mature, and how they mature is by feeling them, and that requires we have the, the really good guidance. You know, uh, like I said, every team needs a good coach, and you know, and we need to feel those feelings and get the support that we need to have that safe place to be able to explore those hurt feelings that none of us really want to deal with. So that's number three, and the fourth one is. Okay, pause for one sec because we got an immediate response on that one. The question here is how can I share my feelings, hurt or otherwise, when my spouse laughs at my feelings and says I'm too sensitive? Then you're dealing basically with a rowdy teenager and you're dealing with somebody that doesn't, you know, the spouse doesn't want to feel their own feelings. And so them laughing and saying you're too sensitive, what they're really saying is I'm scared of my own sensitivity. And so this is where our presence comes in. And being able to share, being able to say, I love you and I want to be with you. And when you say this, it doesn't feel good. And we've got to set some boundaries around that. You know, if if you want to be close to me, then you have to get close to how I'm feeling as well. Hmm. That's very powerful because I know most people would say that you're too sensitive is on the checklist for verbal and emotional abuse. Mm-hmm. It's very it, tough it to set those boundaries when someone is so afraid of their own pain, they certainly mm-hmm. can't hear yours. Yeah. Yeah, and that's where, you know, our that's where our presence comes in, and that's where setting that boundary and saying... Now, what do you mean when you say presence, Marcus? The, 
the biggest well the biggest piece in this is knowing again our own worthiness, knowing that that we're okay and being okay with our feelings and being willing to bring you know bring our heart to the table, but doing it from a place of strength and choosing to step up and say, you know if you want to be close to me. You've got to get close to how I'm feeling too, you know. And and you know, in a way, it's like drawing a line in the sand and saying, "I want to be close to you," and what we're doing now isn't working. And giving the person the choice, not from a place of attacking them, not from a place of of whining and feeling, you know, even though yeah, somebody laughing and saying you're too sensitive that depending on how that message is delivered, it can be abusive, but not from that place of, of feeling crushed, but to say, I'm worth being with, and I'm right here, and I want to be close to you. You know, are you willing to do what it's going to take to be close to me? And this partner that's shut down to their own feelings and keeps, you know, pushing pushing that kind of garbage that you're too sensitive off onto you, then, you know, their answer may be no. You know, and they may just say, you know, they may laugh when you say, I want to be close to you. Are you willing to do what it's going to take to be close to me? They may just completely blow you off and say, you know, they don't, you don't even know what you're talking about. And if they do, then you've got an answer about the relationship. It's like it's not in a real good state. And that's when it's time. It may be time to make some tough decisions. It may be time to to draw a line in the sand and say, we have got to get into counseling now. Or it may be time to rope them and hog tie them and take them into counseling whether they like it or not. <laughs> and trust me, I've seen plenty of people hog tied and broken. <laughs> yeah. In fact, there's research that shows that something like of all men who enter therapy are brought there by somebody who loves them. Mm. It's not. I don't doubt it. Yeah, yeah. I I think that number is actually changing now. Ever since uh, Tony Soprano went into therapy, Mm. I understand there was a 17% increase in men (laughs) willing to go to therapy. And I'm not. I'm not bashing men. Not bashing men. So, Marcus. At the end of the day, what can people expect if they begin to work with these pillars of awesome relationships, if they begin to, because each one of the pillars is pointing people toward taking responsibility for their own feelings, their own lives, their own part in the relationship, and just getting to the point where we stop telling ourselves we're powerless. So mm-hmm. what can people expect if they begin working with more of these tools? thing is they can expect to become more aware of the places that they're shut down. And that doesn't feel good, but it's a necessary first step. It's sort of like you know, when you walk into a room that needs cleaning, it's like, you're going to be making a mess while, you know, it's the first part of cleaning things up. 
And that's okay. Don't be afraid of that. Or it's going to feel kind of messy the more you start to look inside. But the really awesome thing that happens is you start to feel your own power. You start to feel your own presence. You start to believe in yourself. And the problems that come up, especially if both partners are really working on the on their own stuff that comes up in the relationships, the problems that would normally throw you for a loop and you have one of those knock-down, drag-out fights, like, those fights don't happen as much. You know, or when they happen, they happen for a shorter period of time. Maybe instead of a three-hour argument, or a two-day argument, you know, that fight lasts for 15 minutes, mm. and then somebody drops into their own heart and says, hey, look, I don't like doing this this way, you know, and this is what I'm really scared of underneath, and the fight ends immediately. Okay, mm-hmm. last question here. This one just came in. My wife and I are stuck in a I'm sorry, we're stuck in a pattern. Okay, that's what it says. We're stuck in a pattern. She's always angry, and I avoid her because of it. What should I do? <sighs> oh, I'd that's love from to... Anonymous. I can't tell you. Okay. The yeah, I God, I would love to ask Anonymous a few questions here. The usually. When, when people are just seem angry all the time, like if you know if my partner seems angry all the time, it's not about me. It's something within themselves. They're not happy within themselves, and we keep harping on the same thing over and over. It's about worth, where they don't feel good enough, and so they attack anything that can possibly be interpreted as an indication that they're not good enough. You know, and so you know, if you go to a you know, go to a dinner together and say, Wow, I loved you know, I loved the chicken that they served. That was wonderful. You know, and somebody who doesn't feel good enough can take that as they're not a good cook. You know, their chicken's not good enough. And so they're gonna attack you for loving the chicken that was you know, served at a fantastic meal. And so there's, you know, that, um, so the first thing is people that are really angry are usually masters at projecting that anger and, you know, and finding the weak points that we have. They find our insecurities and just nail us with them. You know, and at times when you're with a really angry person, yeah, you can being in a relationship feels like you're getting peppered with a nail gun, just you know, just getting blasted constantly. And so you wind up avoiding, just like this fellow's talking about. And so there's one of the most important things is to know that it's not about you. And if it is about you like that'll come out and then you get to take responsibility for it. But most of the time what's going on is like this fellow's wife is upset about something within herself and she needs acceptance, a lot of love, and very, very, very firm boundaries set with her. You know, to say, again, I love you. And when you talk to me that way, 
I just want to go away from you. And I don't want to go away from you. I want to be close to you. We got to, you know, we got to fix this. Wow. All right, Marcus, we're coming into the home stretch. In the last couple of minutes, what would be your very, very best, I say the best advice and maybe your highest wisdom you'd like to leave us with? Because I know you also have a deep spiritual aspect to the work that you're doing with couples and with all of us. Yeah, and that's um, all of us, we we come, my personal belief, don't want to step on anybody's toes, is that we come from a place of pure love before we live in these bodies for this lifetime. And when we're done, we go back to a place of pure love. And our job in this lifetime is to feel the flow of that love going through us as much as we can. And so there's a practice in Chapter 4. The, the fourth pillar says that love is not about your beloved. It's about feeling the heart of God. And God, by whatever name you call it, whether you call it Spirit, Vishnu, whatever, like any, your, high, your higher power, whatever fits for you, about feeling the flow of the love of the universe going through us. And when we send that love out and set healthy boundaries to protect ourselves from harm, then we feel blessed. We feel enlightened. And there's, I'll tell the story really quickly. I do a practice every single day that I still do this after years. When I'm driving to my office in the morning, I, I imagine, I look at all the cars on the interstate in front of me and I imagine just in my imagination, if you feel like you're making it up in your head, you're doing it right, I imagine connecting with the heart of every single person in every car in front of me, and I take a big breath, and I blow this breath into them, where I imagine blowing the love of God into the heart of everybody in front of me, and then just say, thank you. Thank you for being here. You know, Thank you for driving safely today, and I love you guys. Bless you. I want you to have the best day ever. And wow. do that with Beautiful. our. Beautiful. Oh, I could. And feel we can that. do that Beautiful. with our partner too. And then so I do this, you know, with, we can do this with any significant other. And just imagine them. Pick an image in your mind of your partner that absolutely tickles you. And as you breathe in, just imagine that you're filling your lungs with that that excited, fun feeling. And then blow a breath and imagine you're blowing like a cloud of, of that fun, loving energy onto them that's just going to wrap them up. Mm. That is that so place, powerful. Yes. Yeah. Coming from that place, then you're ready to have a conversation with them. Yeah, that, that reminds me of reading the ancient Buddhist sutra that says, hate can never conquer hate, love alone can conquer hate. And a lot of people fall to that place, like the person who sent the last question about the angry wife, of just avoiding that person and feeling like that person is bad and evil, when in Mm -hmm. fact, by thinking good thoughts about them, you change the whole dynamic in the relationship. And I love that, just doing that in a more universal way. Mm -hmm. We could use a lot more of that in the world. 
what the yep. world needs now. Don't get me started. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Marcus. Thank you. And I'm going to say it right. Marcus Amberster. And he is the author of the book, The Pillars of Awesome Love. Did I get it right? Pillars of Pillars Awesome Relationships. Pillars of Awesome Relationships. Okay, the book yeah. is Pillars of Awesome Relationships. The website is Pillars of Awesome Relationships. And you just heard Marcus say he's got a six-week teleseminar program coming up. I'll bet you can find it if you go to PillarsofAwesomeRelationships.com. Stay in school, everybody. Stay in mm. school. We all have to stay in school and learn better. It's just like maintaining the vehicle, knowing the rules of the road, and repairing that vehicle if it breaks down. It's better to maintain it. Is it not cheaper? Put the oil in. I was talking to my mechanic yesterday. He said most people ruin their, what is this thing called, catalytic converter because they put cheap mm. gas in. Okay, I know so much about cars. But let's not put the cheap gas in, okay? <laughs> Learn the rules. <laughs> okay, Marcus, last thing you want to say while I choke. <laughs> oh, <laughs> bless you. The, uh, thank you. Um, everybody, look me up on Facebook, Marcus Ambrester, A-M-B-R-E-S-T-E-R. Go ahead, send me a friend request. I've got plenty of room for more friends. And... Um, there on on uh, my Facebook page, you'll see the listing for the webinar that starts in two weeks. I'm doing a, a single-hour webinar this Thursday night, 9 o'clock Great. Eastern. Great. Lots and, of resources, um, everyone. Yeah. Okay, Marcus, I'm so sorry. We're just burning oh, no up worries. our time. going to have to pull the plug. I want to okay. thank you from the bottom of my heart for sharing your wisdom. <clears throat> sorry, everybody. It's an honor. Wrote. And thank you to our brilliant producer, LeGrand Green, our associate producer, Cliff Dunning, and all who made this radio podcast possible. And, um, excuse me, I'm going to get my voice back. I send you all love and blessings. Be well. Until next time, bye-bye.